Kia ora e te and welcome to Tall Stories, Tales from the Built Environment, a podcast series by the New Zealand Institute of Building. Join us as we delve into personal stories about inspirational career journeys for people in design and construction, as you too build your own story. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about some myths. What do you think I think is some common myths about the construction industry that people, not in the industry, might I reckon know. if you've got a high vis on, you're at the bottom end of the scale. I oh, think yeah. that's the myth. Yeah. Yep, and you're not very intelligent, which is completely wrong, you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And yeah. you, we get to engage with a lot of people from diverse backgrounds and things, and yeah, everyone's wearing the high vis, but you, get, you talk to absolutely a lot of people, you know, like... Um, you know, like we work, we've been working recently with this great piling team, and these guys have been doing it their whole lives since they were 16 years old, and they've never been to university, but man, mm. absolute experts in their field. Yeah. And basically handing out um, lesson after lesson to geotech engineers about rock quality and things like that. It's just, you know. Yeah, and no, I think that's a really good point because, you know, for so many years, you know, the trades have certainly been uh, playing second fiddle, I guess, in, in, you know, in, in people's minds as to university, whereas realistically, building a building is unbelievably complex. It's not something that anyone yeah, can do. It can be, mm. but I think you know things are changing. I think economically, like construction sector at the moment is second in terms of growth. Obviously, health sectors topping that list, but it's just the crazy times that we're in at the moment. You know, so we kind of got to back ourselves. And then also, if you look at the lockdowns and when things went to level three, the construction industry was was entrusted with getting things going again. You know, we are well versed in wearing the right types of PPE and working to protocols and so it was great to have that opportunity under the level three conditions to get our projects moving again. Mm. Perception's definitely changed, I think though. It definitely has improved and you know yeah, it did used to be how worse. people perceive construction careers, you know? And um yeah, I think it's it's on the way up for sure. Yeah. I think it's been do you, how much of that do you think has been a a result of some of the initiatives over the last few years to get new blood into the construction industry, some of those training programs and I guess making it more yeah, enticing and accessible for some younger people. Yeah, I think it'd have to be a huge part of it, you know. Um, there's a lot of people out there looking for for new employees, new extra resource to get the job done. It's, it's that busy out there, you know. So a lot of people are doing marketing, all, all sorts of different groups. Yeah, i got another good one, actually, a good myth, construction industry myth, that a builder's house is never finished. Mm. I think, you know, i finished my house. Ben, you nearly finished your house. Nah. <laughs> you got a few things. Landscaping does landscaping do actually. Well, no, yeah, they still uh, Landscaping doesn't count. Well. That's kind of a separable portion, well, well, I, I would, think, Ralph. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it's a separable portion. Yeah, yeah. definitely. The thing is, that I think people think, you know, the builder's house is not finished. It is finished, but a builder's always got ideas to make it better and well, better right, and better yeah. and better. So in their eyes, it's not finished. But. Yeah. I think it's the same with an architect, you know, so my, my background's in architecture and I think there's you know, a classic saying, oh, never let an architect design their own house. Yeah. And I've never really quite understood that because I've always, you know, wanted to design my own house and, you know, build my own house. Albeit, you know, might need a few more a few more pennies in the piggy bank to do that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, you should. I mean, you know how you want to live and everything like that, you know, yeah. and you've got the skills to do it, then why shouldn't you, you know? Yeah, and I, um, I designed my parents' house out in Greytown a couple of years ago um, and that was fun. Oh, cool. Actually, it was finished just before, just after we went into lockdown. And how were your parents as a client? Uh, it's an interesting experience, I have to admit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, I think I think working with family is a very different, uh, a very different 
Especially with your dad as a project manager, you know, high expectations there for well, in terms of delivery and uh, budget and quality. Yeah, well, my dad actually ended up um, taking a sabbatical from his role and going and living on site uh, wow. during the construction to make sure it was built correctly. And oh, that's I think cool. he was, yeah, I think he was very happy that he did so, very, very thankful. Uh, so obviously, he picked up a few things which he probably wouldn't have been too happy if they'd, uh, you know, been discovered later in the build. But yeah, I, I, I look back at that house and, you know, it, looks as it did on the plans it looks as it did in Brilliant. the renders so and the parents love it so i'll take that as a success you're still getting invited around for christmas dinner and that sort of thing yeah certainly am yeah although funny enough landscaping's still not finished uh so <laughs> well there you go separable portion for the yeah, landscape exactly yeah i think uh, <laughs> i don't know what it's like with you guys but trying to find a landscaper at the moment is nigh on impossible yeah it's tough everyone's busy doesn't matter whether you're a concrete truck driver or a landscaper or a protester you know everyone's yeah. got a lot on <laughs> Not 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 necessarily the same people. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> so um I thought we'd circle back to something a little bit more, you know, I guess I guess less construction related and move to something that you guys might have some opinions on. So if you guys were to write a book tomorrow, what would it be about? That's um, a tricky one. No, you go first, Nick. Okay, I'll go first. Ben, Ben's book will be about coaching rugby, I'd say. He's a bit of an expert there. Nice. He's got a bit of a coaching CV behind him now as well. <laughs> yeah. My one. Under fives. Under fives. Starting at under fives. Bit of a range there. Um, yeah, my one's a bit of an embarrassing one, but um, I've kind of been geeking out about an aspect. The project that I'm on now, we're building over some of the city's infrastructure. It's the main sewer pipe that runs through Wellington and it was built long, long time ago, you know. So part of the early contractor involvement we had to do to get a consent and everything. We had to do a lot of research on the Interceptor, you know. It's got a great name even, mm. the Interceptor. So, yeah, if I was writing a book, it'd be... About a sewer pipe. Yeah, it'd be non-fiction okay. about cool. the... Well, it's the Interceptor. <laughs> it's not a sewer pipe, it's the Interceptor. <laughs> non-fiction. Um, it'd be, yeah. I don't know if it'd be a bestseller. It might be a maybe we could give market. We could give it away free with every one of Ben's coaching books. Yeah, know? nice. Yeah. Maybe have it there for the opening ceremony. Yeah. Everyone can see, right, this is this is really <laughs> what the building project was about. Don't look at the building, look at what's Yeah, maybe around. I'll start small, get, uh, edit the Wikipedia page or something. <laughs> no, that sounds like a plan. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Um, <clears throat> probably on a more serious note, you're kind of the non-serious, no, the serious, serious part of this podcast. But yeah, well, I'm waiting for this book now. I want to read about this <laughs> yeah, This is, this is um, happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess work-life balance is probably a good and trying to manage that is a probably a good book to mm, try like a self help book kind yeah, of yeah mental health work life balance you know getting the most out of your day every day something yeah. like that would I think put your would laptop be, in the back seat kind yeah, of thing yeah make yeah. sure you don't put it on the roof <laughs> something around there I think would be quite good in regards to the construction industry and helping a project manager or a site manager or whatever just to get through each day and you know mm. yeah because there's lots of lots of little tips and tricks there yeah there but, is yep there is, you know. Yeah, I think it's been actually really interesting for myself. So, you know, when I grew up in England, you know, wandering around construction sites, you know, with a tiny pair of uh, steel toe boots, uh, you know, clinging on to my dad. And, you know, even when I was, you know, ad adolescent walking around these construction sites, the the aspects of mental health and the approach to it was so rap vastly different to what it is now in New Zealand. And even, you know, in, in my career in New Zealand, I've seen the, you know, the actual the opinion and the way it's presented is, is completely different as well. You know, I remember being on construction sites, um, you know, recently in Wellington, and I was thinking at the time, I couldn't imagine, you know, 10, 15 years ago, people talking about mental health on a construction site in this way. You know, yeah. it wouldn't be the done thing. You know, no one ever talked about that. And God forbid you ever say that you're having a bad health day in, in England, you know, you'd be laughed off the site. Whereas now Stiff it's... Stiff up the lip and all that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Whereas now I think there's Carry been a, a, real, a real seismic change, and I think it's incredibly beneficial for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of groups 
working hard out there. It's everyone's responsibility to push all that. You know, mm. we have a second ad here, mates in construction are doing some great work out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is part of that cultural shift we were talking about earlier, uh, making it sort of front of mind. Yeah. Your mental mentality and your mental health is really important. Yeah. I think it's been quite prevalent and quite poignant across the whole uh, pandemic as well. You know, dealing with different ways of working and the effects that the pandemic's had on, on society and people individually. I think people have really had to take mental health into the forefront of their minds because it's been a very, very, I guess, disturbing, you know, for the past year, past few years for everyone. And it's going to affect people in different ways. So I wonder if, you know, from your experience on your sites, you know, have you experienced, um, you know, how, how have you dealt with that aspect of making sure that your staff and your project team is, you know, sustainable and healthy? Yeah, well, I've, I've really enjoyed the... Um training that we've done at LT's through Mates in Construction. They kind of, basically they give you first aid training to help someone who is struggling. And um, yeah, I've already used it a handful of times and it's really effective. You can kind of, you know, understand where they're at. Like you say, everyone's different. And a big part of my role in project management is dealing with all these different people and everyone's different. You know, you got to manage every person differently. So um, they've kind of taught us to triage them and then how to get them some help and push them in the right direction. Mm. It's definitely a huge portion of our roles as a project manager is the HR section, you know, it's it's huge and trying to keep the morale, you know, and maintain morale amongst your team because, you know, that's it's so important to a successful project and making sure everyone's okay, everyone's healthy and pushing them in the right direction, that's going to get the best out of them. Mm. But, you know, again, I guess it's um, sort of a team effort really, you know, 100%. everyone's got to do their part. Yeah. So there's definitely a few challenges that the industry is facing at the moment, you know, both from, you know, both from a supply and procurement aspect, which is a whole other topic of conversation, um, but also, you know, through to, you know, maintaining your health. So I wonder if we could just talk about, you know, what the biggest challenges you're currently facing, um, you know, either on your project or, you know, from a, from a business perspective. Yeah, well, you've already touched on it's procurement, you know, mm. it's um, extremely difficult is how I'm classifying it. I don't know if there's any classification worse than that. I'll have to look that up. But it's really challenging and it's very dynamic. Things are changing overnight. We've had stuff coming, long lead items from overseas and they're all on track and then they turn up to port. Sorry, the ship was full and already left and you're waiting another month, you know, yep. and we're, we're tracking that stuff closely and reporting to our clients and things and it's it's tough when you get let down at that last minute and, you know, these into what we were just talking about around mental health and things, you know, as a team on site, it's... It's very, um, you know, it's rewarding being part of a team because you celebrate all your successes and we, you know, we're definitely doing that, but you also got to work together and rally from defeat as well. And um, I think the biggest thing for me with all this procurement um, battles that we're having is communication, you know, Mm. doing a good job of kind of documenting where you're at and working out no one has a crystal ball better than anyone else, but trying to forecast where you might be or what the implications might be, but then getting the word out, you know, so we're hearing about... um, procurement challenges from all over our network across all our other projects and all our suppliers and designers and everything and everyone in the industry is all working together to help each other and if we hear about something that's you know not working out too great there's a wobbly wheel on this supplier then you know as as long as you're communicating well and you know about it early you're in a better position to react to it. This episode is proudly sponsored by Jib Plasterboard, your local plasterboard manufacturer. Jib Plasterboard offers a wide range of training programs and technical help for lining installation, fire resistance performance, noise control, wet area systems, and rigid air barrier solutions. 
please call the Jib Helpline team on 0800 100 442 for technical support or register for a training session at jib.co.nz slash training and events. I guess also probably one of the biggest challenges at the moment is um, resource and quality resource, you know, and labour is really, really tricky at the moment. Mm. And dealing with what you what you have, you know, like you just have to play with what you got, you know, and get the best um, out of get people. Get the best out of mm. people. Yeah, it's it's really tricky at the moment. Really, really tricky yeah. resource wise. Is that something that you think is going to be, I guess, assisted by the borders opening soon? Oh, what I'd say, one hundred percent, it would definitely. That will definitely support the yeah. migrant labour because um, that's part of the diversity at LT McGuinness. You know, we've um, we've got some good guys in our team directly employed that have come over from the Philippines, and they're they're awesome. They're a mm. huge part of what we do, so that'll help with that. But there's a lot of talk about net migration not looking amazing. People going over to Australia, but then recently there's been some big construction companies collapse in Australia. You know, so and a few entering the New Zealand market as well. Or yeah. at least attempting to enter the New Zealand market. Yeah, I think, it's like I said, we don't have a better crystal ball than anyone else, but it's still going to remain to be tough and mm. getting the people that you do have and getting the best out of them is what's the most important thing. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that we're seeing on our projects as well. You know, we're tracking on some of our procurement items, you know, structural steel over in the States. You know, it's gone up 130% in cost in the last year. Yeah, and that's you start thinking, tough. Well, you know, do you wait? Do you think, well, okay, oh, it's gone up 130%, you know, was that just because of COVID? You know, is it going to drop back down? Then you start thinking, well, okay, but what if it goes up another 130% yeah. next year? Yeah, I think timber's a good example of that. It's all sort of locally sourced and milled and things like that. And we've had supply issues. You know, we've had everything. We've had cost escalation. And the log prices have actually stopped going up, but the cost of timber is still increasing. So mm. where's that coming from? Is that, you know, the fuel prices going up or is that all the imported inflation that we're mm. subject to? So kind of, yeah, like you say, whether it's structural steel in the US or something local, you're still going to have something lumpy about it, unfortunately. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see over the next year or so whether or not those prices do come back. You know, not necessarily to pre-pandemic levels. I don't, you know, I'd be surprised if they came back to that at all. Obviously, there's going to be some increase. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how sustainable some of these industries are uh, if they continue, you know, with these cost escalations from COVID because they are pretty extensive. It's tough out there. Alrighty. So I thought it'd be a, a fun thing here to talk about what we really love about our careers and working in the construction industry. So I, you know, from my perspective, I love the flexibility that it offers. And I love the fact that, you know, you get some really weird and cool problems you've got to solve. So yeah, keen to hear from you guys. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing, I guess, that I particularly enjoy about my job is uh, the variation, the changes that can happen every day or even every hour. But most importantly, I guess, would be, um, as Nick mentioned previously, being able to see what you've achieved in that day physically, you know, mm. and visually, I guess. Um, that's probably the most satisfying part of the job. And then obviously at the end of the project, seeing something that is quite significant is um, yeah, the most rewarding part of my job. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah, I definitely echo that sentiment, actually. I mean, funnily enough, some of my earliest memories, you know, going around England is, you know, going around in my car, in the car with my dad and him going, oh, built that, oh, I built that. And he's <laughs> pointing at all these different buildings around our local towns in England. And yeah, it's it's quite cool, actually, seeing, very cool. seeing something going up. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's a good one, Ben. For me, probably um, it's the camaraderie that you can build with your team. Um, if you're ever facing a challenge with the team around you, you can really build up some great camaraderie and have some good fun, you know, have a nice cold drink after a concrete pour or something like that. It's, um, yeah, definitely very rewarding. Yeah, and I guess those are people that you end up either coming back to in other projects and you've already got that relationship established or you, know, you keep in touch with them. You know, I still talk to people that I worked with several years ago on some of my projects and, yeah, I guess 
Yeah, and that's a, that's a good. Yeah, uh, for sure. Some of them become friends, you know, and even if they're not in the construction industry, you still keep in touch. But yeah, otherwise you're in the um, construction sector. New Zealand's a small world. Well, construction's even smaller. So yeah, you might not see them for the for a couple of years, and then bang, they pop up on the next. Oh, hey mate, how you going? Sort yeah, of yeah. No, that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. So talking about people. You know, people are the heart of the construction industry. We've spoken about it quite a lot already. But getting the right sort of people um, is, you know, is, is very important in your projects. And I guess in your opinion, what do you think are some of the real key personality traits and strengths that someone should have if they're looking to go into construction? Yeah, the um, biggest one for me there, Ralph, is probably attitude, you know? Someone that has the right attitude is going to be a, an asset to the project. Or and an what, what is the right attitude? Well, it's um, those key things like uh, their work ethic, um, respectful, willingness to learn, all that sort of stuff. From there, from that small foundation there, you can build a great career on the back of that, and that's I've done that myself personally. So um, I think attitude definitely is the most important. Ben, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think um, resilience, yep. Definitely resilience, um, good problem-solving skills. As Nick said, respect is a big one. Work ethic, obviously, is is huge. Loyal, being loyal, uh, reliability, you know, all those things that kind of create a a um, an aura around you that you can bring to sight, which is, you know, and people see that. People see that straight away. If someone's proactive, keen, and have a great attitude, that goes a long way. Mm. You know, it's really, really hard these days to find someone who's proactive and keen to get in there and it's not there on a plate for you, Yeah, I think is the, the biggest thing, yeah. Yeah, and you kind of need to get people, the right kind of people in the group and then build that good culture. Yeah, you know? so and it's then, that team building, that sort of building a community yeah, around sure. the project. Yeah, for sure, and people are there because they want to be there, you know, and it helps with um, avoiding any sort of absenteeism and things like that. And then if, you know, say you do get on the back foot and something's got to be addressed and you might have to, get a few people to hang around and work late that one night, people will stay because they want to be there and they want to contribute to the team. Now that is, um, yeah, some really, really thought-provoking ideas there. So, if any, yeah, if anyone is considering a, constru- a construction career, and, yeah, you find yourself aligning with some of that, definitely give it a crack. Yeah, give us a call. Nick will give you a broom at the very least. Yeah. So I think what I'm quite interested to hear from you both about is some of the lessons you've learned over your career. So if you could think back to one key lesson over your experience that you think everyone else not in the construction industry should learn? What do you think it is? Well, something that's probably quite transferable to other industries and other roles is just um, the importance of acting early on something. Never sit on an issue because it'll amplify and maybe become a bigger problem or be perceived to become a bigger problem. We actually, at Ultimate McGuinness, we call it panicking early. <laughs> but uh, you shouldn't really panic. But um, yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Just panic early, you know. Mm. Push the button when you need to push the button. And I think um, you know, someone once described it to me like holding onto a glass of water. Like if you had your arm extended out in front of you and you're holding onto a glass of water, you could do that for five minutes, no problem. But if you're still there at the end of the day holding onto that glass of water, your arm's going to be pretty sore. So mm. the idea is to deal with it before it amplifies. You know, act early. What are you going to do? Are you going to drink that glass of water? Are you going to tip it out? Or are you going to throw it in the bin or something? What are you going to do? Are you going to make that decision and act early or talk to the right people so you're able to deal with it effectively rather than just ignoring it? Yeah. <laughs> before it's good, good advice for done, general life. Of, uh, yeah. I've done that in the past and now I've learned, you know, get, yep. get into it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, I guess from my end, it would be, you know, everyone makes mistakes. It happens. Um, you know, things can go wrong, and it again, it just happens. Um, but a famous saying from our our our, our leader, Sean McGuinness, is it's the putting right that counts. You know, yeah. LV Martin and Son. That's the, the one. putting right that counts. It's all about what you can do to make it better and your response to making 
that mistake better. You know, yeah. is what's going to be remembered. Yeah, I think that's actually something that I was, yeah, when I was reflecting on that question as well, it's it's that honesty, it's owning up yep. and being, yeah, being open and honest about that if you've if you've messed up or something has happened, you own it and you, you come up with a solution. You don't try and deflect or say it's someone else's problem. You just say, Look, yeah, yep, it's my bad. I'll and that's, that's integrity. You know, that's, um, you know, you're saying, you know, yourself from your own experiences in construction, but that's every tradesperson out there. You mm. know, as a tradesperson, you stand behind your product, another LB Martin saying there. <laughs> but um, if it's not right, you put it right, fix it. You don't walk away from it. It's yeah. really important. So thinking about if you guys weren't in construction and you had to choose a new job and you go back a few years and you think, okay, what would I rather be doing? Would you still be in construction or, you know, would you would you do something else? Have you got any burgeoning uh, <laughs> burgeoning astronomers, you know, anything like that in here? Yeah, I always wanted to be an all black, but that was never going to happen. But oh, you've, got your, you've, got your, you've got your fives coaching there, so there could be some future <laughs> all blacks in there. At what point did you probably give up on that dream, though? Oh, I haven't been, given up. Only a couple of years I ago. Haven't oh, you're up. still going? Yep, still going. Um, no, I think uh, it's hard to say really in the position now because, yeah, I think if I did decide to do something different, I'd probably want to give back to the community probably, you know, maybe fire service, police, something like that. I think I'd, I'd always be interested in doing. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably my second mm. fiddle to being in construction. Yeah, nice. that'd be a good one. I had a funny dream like a few months ago, me and my best friend, we bought this like um, beautiful van and we became tour guides for Wellington, you know, <laughs> <laughs> driving around and part of my dream, I was doing a speech about the interceptor, you know, so um, <laughs> probably that could be a good option for me. Maybe I'll start out the same way, get a job at Te Papa, do an apprenticeship there as nice. a Te Papa guide and then... And find yourself writing about storm drones. Going out on my own, you know, yeah, as a tour guide. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Maybe stuck with construction. Yeah. I think it's interesting, actually, um, what you spoke about there, Ben, about, you know, giving back to the community. Because I've personally always thought that construction is one of the most community-minded careers you can actually go into. And this was something that, you know, was instilled in me through architecture school, is that we are building communities. We are building the place where the public inhabits. You know, there would be, you know, no fire engines without a firehouse. There would be no policemen without a police station. So I think it's interesting because, to me, construction offers that. And I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a good career for people who want to help out the community. Because you're developing society, you're developing, you know, public spaces. Okay, so if you had one piece of advice to give out to someone starting in the construction career or the construction industry, what would it be? Looking for some sage advice here, something to uh, hang above the mantelpiece. Nothing like live, laugh, love, but maybe from the construction (laughs) perspective. I would say, um, yeah, when you're just starting out, I'm always impressed by people that are asking lots of questions. They're really engaged, you know, Um, some of the best apprentices and um, young people that I've worked with uh, asking me a lot of questions about what's happening next, what's coming up, how are we going to do this, you know, and... um, So curiosity. I'll I'll put my hand up, sometimes they catch me out and I don't have the answer, but um, yeah, curiosity and it's really, you know, what you'd expect. The younger people just new to the industry, you know, encourage you to ask lots of questions because that's that's what we want to see. Yeah, and I guess get that experience across as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, be confident in your decisions is probably a big thing. Um, yeah, just being proud at what you do and how you do it is probably yeah, mm. a good piece of advice, I reckon. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I was reflecting on this the other week. Uh, a few a few months back, I gave a little bit of a speech or a talk at McUni, and there was a few students there who came up afterwards and they were asking, you know, is this good experience? Should I get a job in this sector to try and get into you know, project management? And both myself and a few of the other speakers would basically give the advice of any experience is good experience. You know, everything you do in life can be linked back to what you're currently doing. It's all learning. It's all understanding 
what the industry is like. So I think my advice would be just to jump in at any level. You'll be able to link what you're doing at some job to what you want to do in the future. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, and this comes back to what we were saying about having a team with a diverse background. The more diverse, the better. And you can't teach experience, you know what I mean? It, it only comes from doing it. You've got so. to be on the job. Yep. Yeah, you've got to have those war stories and you know, those laptops on the tops of a unit. <laughs> <laughs> So unfortunately, we have run out of time today. So thanks for joining us for this podcast. And thanks to Ben and Nick. It has been some fantastic conversation and discussion. And both Ben and Nick are great examples of young and upcoming leaders in the industry. Thanks for listening to Tall Stories, Tales from the Built Environment, a podcast series by the New Zealand Institute of Building.